Welcome. This is The Jay Show, and this is Dr. Jay Smith here in London. Uh, we're now on to our second episode, looking at slavery, uh, not just Atlantic slavery. We're now moving over and comparing it with Islamic slavery, which is a whole different kettle of fish, something we've not heard. I have Sarah Foster with me again. You are a descendant of slaves yourself. Now suddenly you realize that it's much bigger than just Atlantic slavery. Yeah. Uh, we're finding a whole nother area of slavery that is not talked about, is it? It's really important that we do talk about it so that we have an accurate view of pic uh, an accurate picture of history. We have an accurate picture of the faiths that we follow and where our understandings come from, where our perceptions come from, even where our prejudice come from sometimes. So um, it's a good topic to talk about. And especially Muslims. I hope the Muslims that are watching this that you take attention to this because this is something that you have been told is uniquely a European problem, a white person's problem, a Christian problem, and yet as we're finding out now, it's very much your problem. This is something that you have not looked at. We're now uncovering people that you know, and we're looking at some of the things they've said, and it's not very pleasant. We're going to be looking at your scripture, and it's not going to be pleasant. We're going to be looking at your tradition, and they will not look pleasant to you. This is a whole area that you have been kept out of, you've not been told about. You have a much greater slave problem than the Bible or that Christianity has, this may be the first time you've ever heard this. It's going to be difficult for you, but you need to hear it, and you need to engage with it, and you need to come to conclusions about it. So Sarah, where, what's going on? Where did all this, these terrible uh, references that we heard from Ibn Khaldun, Ibn Sina, we've been t these are household names, yeah. the things they were saying about Africans, that they are nothing more than animals, they are less intelligent, they're evil because of their skin, uh, and it's because they live in hot countries that that's why they are incapable of doing anything, and they should be on hands on all fours. Terrible, awful things that we're hearing quoted in the last episode. What's going on? Help us. Yeah. Get us back and see, give us where this all comes from. Yeah, I mean, it's really quite shocking when you put those quotes together from these really high profile Islamic scholars. Um, it's something that um, is, is difficult to, to go through, but go through it, we must. And um, Bernard Lewis, Dr. Bernard Lewis, he was a professor at Princeton University, a very high profile, very um, top ranking university. And his whole area was race and slavery in the Middle East. He spent his life's work looking at this. And he noted the following. He says, during the period immediately following the death of Prophet and the Prophet in 632 AD, the date when Muhammad died, the great Islamic conquest took the new faith to vast areas of Asia and also Africa and a new situation was created. Many changes were observed in literature as well, but this is where we want to go. The first of these was the narrowing, the specializing, and the fixing of color terms applied to human beings. So before that, color was fluid. What he's talking about, when he's talking about the fixing of color terms, the narrowing of color terms, he's talking about what we see as the norm now. People being referred to black or white or red or yellow. You don't hear people being referred to as chestnut or, um, or you know, the, the color of an acacia tree. But that was the situation before Muhammad died. Something happened in that period where Islam took off after the death of These Muhammad. These different definitions of color were somehow introduced during the period of Muhammad. It's in very, the very strange. What he's saying. Yeah, and much more research needs to go into this area. For example, the situation before Muhammad was, take my, my black top at the moment. Yeah. 
people could look at me and I could call myself white in relation to the black top. I could call myself maybe black in relation to this red case. My colour changed depending on what I wanted to compare it with. So you may be red in comparison to a tree or brown in comparison to a black, uh, you know, something. It just, it was fluid. Right. You weren't determined by your colour. And so after the colour fixing, then attributes were then attached to the colour. So because colour was fluid before, you didn't look at people and, and attach attributes to them. Mm -hmm. But as soon as you said, this person is white, and so white people are you know, intelligent. So there's no value judgment attached to it. It's the value judgment, that's what I'm trying to say. So now that we've fixed the colours, now value was being attached to that colour. And it seems that to the black colour, the black colour was an attachment of inferiority. Okay, and he this says is that. Let's look seen. at that next quote. Yeah. Because that really put, takes it into shape. He says, um, together with the specialising and the fixing of colour terms comes a very clear connotation of inferiority attached to the darker and more specifically the black skins. Now, I remind you, this is a top professor of race and slavery in the Middle East. And he is oh, no, we all that. know Bernard Lewis. Yeah. Most of us who have studied Islam have to come across his work. So I'm, I'm, it's interesting that he's saying this. Yeah. So now it was not so much that you're black in relation to the red. Now you are inferior. Now, Your now black is now inferior. It's de it diminishes that well, color. Well, I could, I could have been any color. I could have been red. I could have been white. There's no value. But now I'm black. Yeah. And, and that's fixed. Um, okay. And I mean, even if you look at my colour, you know, no one is completely black or completely white. But now we have this fixing of black, white, red, brown. And, we've, and it seems at this time, in this period in Arabia, they were attaching inferiority to the colour black. Well, we can see that by the quotes we saw in the mm -hmm. last episode. It in explains the last it, episode. doesn't it? It was hugely demeaning, absolutely vindictive. And for me, it was embarrassing to read even. Yeah. But that's where it was coming in. So it was being introduced from the time of the Prophet on, from the 7th century. So let's look at the 7th century and let's look at some, uh, some uh, you have some African poet here. Yeah, and so this is Suhaim and he's writing in 660 AD. Muhammad died in 632, so this is barely 28 years after Muhammad died. He says this, he says, If my colour were pink, women would love me, but the Lord has marred me with blackness. Though I am a slave, my soul is nobly free. Though I am black of colour, my character is white. I am covered with a black garment, but under it is a lustrous garment with white skirts. So he's already, this is already influencing what he is saying. Yeah, it's gone into the, the now it's gone into the psyche of even the black person that, yeah, if I was lighter skinned, people would like me, people would love me, women would love me, but God himself, when it talks about the Lord, God himself has marred me with blackness. It yeah. sounds like a curse, doesn't it? It does. It's, it's almost like this is innate. I'm born with this Yeah, curse. and God, God has given this, this to me. Mar marring. God has case. made me this, and, and, and I live an inferior life because of my so color. So this is just starting to come to the floor almost, well, it's not even one generation after Muhammad. Yeah. This, so is this is 28 the, years later. This is the time of the Sahaba. This is the time of the, um, the, the golden period of Islam, That's where right. the first three the generations. Period. You're the right. Yeah. So he says, I am a slave my and my soul is nobly free though I'm black of color so he's saying even though I'm black even though I'm black my character is white I'm yeah. I'm still good inside yeah it's almost like he's pleading listen to me look at yeah look at the agony I'm having to live under I, I really I, am white yeah I'm even white he inside. has to use those those terms yeah of value one is good one is bad it's led to self-hatred yeah. of his own color of his own appearance yeah. and I'm sure God 
who made us in our, all our different colors never intended this. No. But this is what's coming out um, in the early Islamic period, just after the death of Muhammad, um, as Bernard Lewis tells us. Um, so what is going on? What is happening at this time? What example did Muhammad leave for people in this period to be thinking like this? Let's go a century later. Now we're into the 8th century. and We have the black poet Abu Dulama. He says this, um, so 776, he says, We are alike in colour, our faces are black and ugly, our names are shameful. Okay, this is a fellow that's actually, he is a jester in the Abbasid Caliphate, the Abbasid Caliphate, which came in 749. So he's in the first Abbasid Caliphate, he is a jester in the courts. Uh, so of, he's of, laughing at himself, saying, I'm black and ugly. Look at this, this is awful. And this is what made the Abbasid Caliphs laugh. So what, is it, what does Bernard Lewis say to this then? So he's saying black is somehow connected with sin, evil, deviltry, damnation, while white has the opposite associations. So as we've said, if you're black, it's kind of, there's an evil around it. It's inferior. It's something that the Lord has cursed you with. Whereas if you're white, then you're pure, you're wholesome, and um, you're blessed by God, it seems. Now, certainly this doesn't just come out this view, these values don't just come out of nowhere. They must be, it must have come from somewhere. And you're going to tell me that it actually comes from the Quran itself. Well, yeah, we're going we're gonna to be looking at the Quran. We're going to be looking at the Hadith. Um, we're only going to touch on this right now. We're just touching on these subjects. And we're going to go into much more in depth and look at even more literature, even more Islamic literature much later on. But we're just Let's gonna, go to the Quran then. We're going to touch on the Quran that. now. And let's start with Surah 3. Ayah 106. Surah means book 3, Ayah means verse 106. So book 3, verse 106. So it says here, on the day of resurrection, or it says on the day, when some faces will become white and some faces will become black. As for those faces who will become black, to them will be said, did you reject the faith after accepting it? Then taste the torment in hell for rejecting faith. So the ones who are going to hell are the ones whose faces turn black. Now on the face of it, when you read this, this is heinous because it's suggesting black people go to hell, white people go to heaven. It's not saying black people, it just says their faces turn but, black. Yeah, their faces turn black. And we see a parallel like this in Surah 39, 60. Um, it says, and on the day of resurrection, you will see those who lied about Allah with their faces blackened. Is um, there not a hell in residence for the arrogant? So again, it's people who have lied, people who have not obeyed God, they're the ones whose faces become black. Look at that. Yeah, and so we have the understanding that, okay, maybe it's not talking about black people, maybe there's a shame, but we're talking, before we were talking about the connotations, the black color led to shame, leads to evil, leads to disobedience, you're cursed because of the black. The poet says, the Lord has marred me with blackness. Here we see Allah marring these people who have lied, who have disobeyed, with blackness. Yeah. Can so you see the connection? Surah 3, Ayah 106, Surah 39, Ayah 60, both seem to, seem to assume that evilness, lying, is associated with the black face. Yeah. Whereas goodness and heaven are associated with the white face. Yeah. So there you can see it in the Quran. Mm. It's imbued in the pages of the Quran itself. Yeah. 
So it you is. can see if this is the case. Now, that, remember, for those who are not aware of this, the Quran is God's holy word. And as for Muslims, this is sacrosanct. It is uncreated for you. We've talked about this many times before. This is from God himself. So if God is saying this in his holy word, according to you, then you can understand why then the, this would have a huge influence on others, especially elders who are reading it, and that would make sense then as to why they're coming to this conclusion themselves, yeah. these great men of God that we quoted in the last episode. Yeah. Mm -hmm. if, the, if the Sahaba, the followers of Muhammad, learned from Muhammad, or this is what they, they believe they were taught, started fixing people in color terms, then you can't escape this language. Language becomes very, very important. If you're saying this person is black and they can't move from that category, then what your, your definition and the connotations attached to blackness become very significant. And Allah should have known about this because as you said, yeah. this is his you word. You mentioned the Sahaba. One of the greatest Sahaba is Ibn Abbas himself. And Ibn Abbas has me, uh, feelings about this. Let's go to Ibn Abbas and see what it's uh, in Al-Tirmidhi, which would be one of the hadiths, one of the six major hadiths, Jamat Il-Tirmidhi, volume two, book four, number 877. Yeah, so it's talking about the black stone. So this is the black stone, um, and obviously, that you know when you go on Hajj. This is the black stone that's in the Kaaba. Yeah, in the northeast corner. Yeah, in the Kaaba, people trying to... With that silver encasing and people, and you see hundreds of thousands kissing it. Kissing it. That's the black stone it. that it's talking about, okay? So, um, Ibn Abbas says this, The Messenger of Allah said, The black stone descended from paradise, and it was more white than milk. Then it was blackened by the sins of the children of Adam. So there we have the connotation again. Black equals sins. Yeah, white sins teeth equals purity, came straight from paradise. Think of the Huris, what color are they going to be? Well, they're, they're white. They're, they're white, their, their skin is so white that you can see their, their, their bones through it, it yeah. says in some of the hadith. But black, the stone was blackened because of the sins. So we have that, that connotation in the language again. Oh dear. Okay, so you can see these are. This is going back to the Quran itself, God's holy word according to Islam, and we're going back to the Sahaba in this case, Ibn Abbas. So you can see that this is rooted from the very beginning in uh, in the the most authoritative structure of Islam itself. What that would make sense, and why later exegetes and later scholars would say the things they are saying. Yes. All you need to do is go to the root. Yeah. Now, Which we have done here. Yeah. So remember how um, in, in our last episode that we started, we looked at the transatlantic slave trade and we came down century by century and was looking at the attitudes of blackness. Yeah. Um, we've seen it within some of the Islamic scholars, their writings. I mean, as you get closer, you'll notice around the time of the seventh century, so around the time of Muhammad and just around that period, you notice black people being referred to as Banu Ham. Banu so Ham. let's go back because you're now you're going to say it actually comes from even before that. There's something even beyond that. Let's go back. Where did this all come from? Yeah. So we're, we're in the seventh century. So the time of Muhammad. Um, this is the time of Muhammad, and we're noticing that a lot of the Islamic literature are referring to Africans, referring to black people as Banu Ham. Banu Ham. Um, we see that all over the place, and it's a cinnamon for the black African. It's, you can use Banu Ham, you can use black African. People at the time in Arabia knew exactly what These that meant. These are synonyms, you mean uh, the, 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 interchangeable. interchangeable. Yeah, so okay. you can say Banu Ham for black African, you can say black African, people are thinking Banu Ham. Children of Hams, yeah, sons, sons of Ham. Yes, sons of Ham. Okay. Yeah, so David Goldenberg, he is another um, prominent scholar in this work. And he's looked at a lot of the Islamic literature around the time of the death of the Prophet Muhammad. And he saw um, 
Ibn Atta's writings. Ibn Atta died in 732 and he wrote this. Ham begat all those who are black and curly haired. Noah prayed that the hair of Ham's descendants would not grow beyond their ears and that wherever his descendants met the children of Shem, the latter, so that Shem's children, would enslave them, would enslave the children of Ham. Okay. Does this, does Ham and Shem ring a bell to yes, you? Yes, well this comes right out of the Bible. Interesting, isn't it? We'll see what else um, scholars are saying. So, Al-Tabari. Al-Tabari from the 10th century, he's the first to write down the... Histories. Uh, well, not in histories and also the tafsir, the commentary. So yes. he writes both the tahriq, which is the histories, and the tafsir. So he's the most authoritative. He's very, the first. very important. There is a lot of history about Islam we would not get if it was not for this man. Okay. Very important. And he says this, Ham begat all those who are black and curly haired, Noah prayed that Ham's, the hair of Ham's descendants would not grow beyond their ears and that wherever his descendants met the children of Shem, the latter would enslave them. So exactly the same. So this view is very persuasive in Islam that Shem, those who come from the tribe of Shem, will enslave those who come from the tribe of Ham. Yes. Okay. Very important. Okay. Ibn Khaldun. Now we're into the 14th century. He says, he says this, um, he disagrees with the opinion that Negroes are the children of Ham. They were singled out to be black as a result of Noah's curse, which produces Ham's color and slavery God inflicted upon his descendants. So we have some back and forth, actually. But remember, Ibn Khaldun is the same person who says that Negroes are, as um, a people, submissive to slavery. Mm -hmm. So there's a, bit of, there's a bit of dissension between the stories that we're finding in the 7th century and the stories that we're finding in the 14th century. Okay. And we'll explain why that is later on. Okay, all right. But we do need to find out where the story came from. And if we go back to the 5th century, there's the Midrash on Genesis. Now the Midrash is like a commentary on Genesis. Okay, now these are Jewish writings. This is Jewish writings. Okay. And bear in mind, this was written about 200 years after Jesus. This one is written in the 5th century. So this is not a part of the Jewish Bible. This is about 400 years yeah. after the Jesus. The Jewish Bible ended 400 years before the New Testament. Right. So before Jesus. Right. So this is not part of the Jewish Bible. No, so this is not authoritative at all. It's not authoritative. This is apocryphal writings. Yeah. Um, I, I think this would be da'i for those of you who are Muslims. This is not considered to be authoritative. No. no Jew would take this as scripture. These are nothing more than people's yeah. opinions. Yeah, so some Jews would... Um, listen to it, but they understand it's very, very different from the actual actual um, Jewish Bible. We take everything in the Jewish Bible and we put it in our Old Testament. We don't believe God's word has changed at all. We take absolutely everything in the Jewish Bible. But, but only the, the Jewish Bible. Only we the would Jewish. never go to the Midrash no, or the Talmuds no. or the Mishnah. We would never accept any of those. Many people know that these are just stories. Yeah. Okay. And so we find this in, in the Midrash. We see that it talks about Noah declared, you have prevented me from begetting a fourth son, therefore I curse your fourth son. If I go down, it talks about Ham and the dog copulated in the ark, therefore Ham became black skinned, while the, um, the dog publicly exposes his copulation. This is very derogatory. In the sixth century, in the Babylonian Talmud, so this is again Jewish literature, written hundreds of years after the Jewish Bible had been completed, so again, not reliable we see that Ham is smitten in his skin. Ham is smitten in his skin. So from the Jewish because non- Because he copulated with a dog. Yeah, so from the Jewish non-biblical um, non scriptures, so just people writing, we find quotes like this, Ham became black skinned, 
Ham was smitten in his skin. Jay, what's wrong with these quotes? Well, <laughs> this, to me, the, the, uh, this is completely erroneous. This has nothing to do with scripture at all. Yeah, it's not in the Bible. No. It is not in the Jewish Bible. It's not, we take everything in the Old Testament and it's literally not there. It comes hundreds of years later, hundreds of years later. So, further, further, was Ham cursed? Well, let's go back to Genesis 9. Yeah, we'll go and we'll have a look at Genesis 9. Genesis 9 verse 25 says, Cursed be Canaan, servant among servants shall he be to his brothers. Now, people were not sure what that meant, but it definitely was not Ham. So you got, they've got the wrong person. They've got the wrong person. If they go to the scripture, even these Jewish, what do you want to give them? Uh, tail makers or uh, uh, Midrash, these are not, these are just Jewish ca characters that are just talking amongst them. They've got, they didn't even look at their own Bible. It's, it's, it's just wrong. It's just absolutely wrong. Okay. I mean, if we look at the Ethiopian scholar Ephraim Isaac, he says this. He says, in rabbinic literature, so that's the Jewish literature, we, don't, we do not have or find an implication that the descendants of the accursed Canaan are black or Africans. Right. Indeed, there was never such a question in rabbinic thought. They, they didn't even think about it. It was Cush and not Canaan who inhabited Africa. So they've South got the wrong person at the wrong place doing wrong the wrong person. thing at the wrong time. There we go. Wrong tribe, wrong person. So how on earth did it get into the Islamic sources? Well, this is fascinating. We can go on and see only 0.006%. You've got a pie graph up yeah. there. Look at, it's just a little <laughs> white little sliver. If we look at all of the Talmudic corpus, so yeah. all of the writings that are not part of the Jewish Bible, these are subsequent writings that we don't rely upon. But even if you look at all of that, the whole corpus, less than 1%, less than a half of 1%, less than a tenth of 1%. 0.0006% of the entire corpus. Only talk about. Make up these two, this, these, two, these references to Ham being cursed yes. because he copulated with a dog in the ark. So this was a fringe opinion in Judaism, <laughs> but it became mainstream in Islam. Isn't that fact? They picked this one reference from two references and made it as the main opinion. Not only does it not agree with the Bible, mm. it doesn't even agree with the rest of the Talmudic, Talmudic writings. It doesn't. Why did they pick only this one? They got the wrong person too. It was not Ham that was this that was the ancestor yeah. for the blacks. Banu Ham, Banu Ham. It, it, it doesn't it, make sense. It doesn't make sense because it was Cush. It was it was Canaan who was meant to be cursed. But even ignore that, it was Cush who inhabited Africa. Right. So it's not Banu Ham. It should be Banu Cush. This has not only is the history wrong, the scripture is wrong. Even the outside of scripture is wrong. They have gone to just point zero 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 six two little references and say pull that out. Maybe they just had a bad day. They just went and that's the only <laughs> thing they had. Maybe they just were not lazy. They didn't get, they didn't want to go any further. They just grabbed this out and said, ah, oh, this must be history. But that's what's wrong when you do something like yeah, this. this. And is, it's good you've been able to uncover this. Terrific this, stuff. This, this, is, this is what shows us that whoever was writing the Quran did, had no idea what was in the Jewish scriptures, had no idea what was written in the Christian scriptures. Maybe they were hearing things from different, different people. And maybe this is why Ibn Khaldun in the 14th century, when the, the, Quran, the Bible was finally translated into Arabic, could turn around and say, oh, actually, I don't agree with this story. Well, we do know when the Bible was first translated. Do you know, yeah. this has just come out in the last few weeks. Uh, we have just found out that the yes. Codex of Sinaiticus yes. 151 is the oldest Arabic translation that we've come across. And the what was oldest. the date? 
It was 867. Um, That's 9th century. Yeah, Muhammad came in the 7th century. 7th century. So in the 7th century... There was no Arabic Bible. They, they, they didn't know. They, they didn't have access to the Arabic Bible. No. They wouldn't have known to go back and read about who was really the, the ancestor of the black no. people. They're relying on secondary sources, erroneous sources, folk tales, fairy tales, but not the actual books. Not the actual books. This is brilliant. I mean, you, what you're doing is you're doing a source criticism. You're going and doing, looking yeah. back at what the history tells, looking at the earliest manuscripts, and you're saying, why did this view come in? How did this view come in? How did this view that black people were evil, that they were inferior, how did it originate? Could it be the Jews? Let's blame the Jews. Mm. Let's see what the Jews. So they look through and they find these two obscure yeah. uh, references less than 0. 0.0006 of all the Tal Talmudic corpus, and they take these two, and they, ah, so it's Ham is the bad guy. He copulated with the dog, his skin turned black. That's why black people are inferior. Without even thinking through this, not, this is, that's not even scripture. Had they only gone to scripture first, <laughs> yeah. they would have seen very clearly that Ham had nothing to do with the African race. And that is my main issue with the Quran. It has no idea what scripture actually says. And because of it, look at the consequences. You have this idea that it's black people who are the ones who are marred with blackness, marred with slavery, and out of that, you have Islamic scholars saying the black people are suitable for slavery, just because no one bothered to go back and check the actual books. Oh dear. And that's why I love my Bible. Yeah. I mean, we coming back. We keep coming back and saying the Bible is so beautiful because the Bible gets the right person at the right place doing the right thing at the right time. How many times have we said this on camera? Mm. And this is just another example of that. If you really want to know what God was saying, for heaven's sakes, go back to the source. Yeah. And for heaven's sakes, don't trust this book. Don't. This book gets it wrong. The scholars get it wrong. The Islamic scholars get it wrong because they assume that this book had it right. But folks, you need to always check out with history and make sure yeah. you go back to the original sources. And if Muhammad did Surah 10, 94, go back to the people of the book and checked, we had our books. That's right. We could have told them. <laughs> we could have told you them. You got the wrong man. <laughs> we forget about Ham. We, they don't like Ham anyway. They eat it. <laughs> they forget true. about the man himself. Go yeah. back to Kush and make sure you get it right with the get book right. that preceded you. Because the consequences. The consequences are huge because that has huge consequences with that, what we now know today, how they see black people. Now, let's go back to this curse of Ham again. So even nothing to do with Jewish sources. I mean, this is the cave of treasures. It's a Syrian story in the fourth century. And it talks about Canaan. 373 AD, yeah. okay. Canaan was cursed because he dared to do this. He, he, um, he looked at his father. If you read the story of Noah in the Bible, um, it talks about the fact that um, he looked at the nakedness of his father. Yeah, and he and his brothers didn't do that. They, they were respectful turned, to him. They turned their backs so they would not see his nakedness. So this curse came on came on Canaan, and he says his seed will become a servant to servants. But what was interestingly, what happened with this story and the Syrian version of this story, um, which is not true, it's not biblical. They said this is to say that the Egyptians, the Kushites, and the black people, the Mysians and the Indians and the, all the Ethiopians whose skin is black because Ham had dared to make a mock of his father called him vile, um, they would be the ones who are cursed. So in the, in the fourth century, this is way after this story was written, this is way after we had, the Jews had closed the canon for their, for their Bible. Right. This story is said, ah, it's talking about the Egyptians, the Kushites, the Mysians, the Indians, the Ethiopians. It's the people who are black. And the Bible never says that. No. The Bible never says that. Again, whatsoever. so this comes from a fourth century 
tradition again. Again, nothing more than a tradition. Yeah. And then it was adapted later to take out the Egyptians. Yeah, because they, they were such a large group within Islam. <laughs> it is That's interesting. Convenient. It is interesting. So we don't see this link between um, this explicit link. So even though they've said that, we don't see the explicit link of skin color between slavery and um, skin color until the seventh century. This is what David Goldenberg has just said. Okay. So he's a historian. What does he say? The African people, the people whose skins are black, they are the ones who are to be slaves. Okay. Explicitly. All right. Yeah. Now, David Bryan Davis, uh, he comments then on the 8th and 9th century Arab writers, and he takes this one step further. What does he say? Yeah, he says um, he increasingly in invokes the curse of um, Canaan, the curse of, um, to, to explain why the sons of Ham have been blackened and have been degraded and to the status of natural slaves. So, yeah, he's, he's just explaining why we see a plethora of Islamic sources talking about the fact that it's their skins that have caused them to be, well, God has cursed them, their skins are black, they've been degraded to natural slaves. Right, okay. Something completely of God, he's trying to say. 10th century, they take out the Egyptians and the Berbers. According to William Evans, so they had to do that because they were now some of the best of the Muslims. Can you see, Muslims, this is hard for you to hear. I know this is difficult. I know it's going to change a whole paradigm shift. You've never heard this before. This is new. This has never been researched before, but we need to get it out. Stay with us. We're going to continue this. We're going to look at the treatment of black slaves. Uh, we're going to look at some of John and Zuma's material in the next episode. We'll see you then. This is Jay and Sarah here in London, over and out. Thank you.